Welcome back for another edition of the Half Court Press Podcast. I'm John Niatawa. He's Chris Hetty. Chris, it's been a while. It's been, it's been so long. We have a new studio. We have a new studio. <laughs> um, I got a new phone. You did? I got a new furnace today in my house. <laughs> All I mean, right. There's a lot of new things. There's a lot, a lot has happened. Right. I don't know what the, anything new on your end. Like, um, no. Um, I grew a beard. A beard? Yeah. Beard I've grown a beard since on. the last time that we've talked, I okay. think. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been like almost six weeks. Has it really? There. There's a lot to catch up on. Uh, we got some recruiting talk that we want to get into. Mm-hmm. Expectations going into the season. This podcast, for those who are maybe are just checking in, it's about college basketball, the local teams. Chris covers Nebraska. I cover Creighton. And so we're just going to be talking about the newsworthy items over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. And we did it last year. We had a blast. So we're going to do yeah. it again this year. It's kind of our first podcast of the season. Podcast of the yeah, season, yeah, yeah. Quote, unquote, because... Even though the regular season still is a month away, should we preseason? Should started. we dub this like the the preseason podcast? Maybe. Yeah. yeah okay. There you go. Yeah. Preseason podcast, uh, half court press edition. I like it. Um, let's start with let's start with Creighton because yeah. today we're recording this on a Thursday. Today uh, it was announced the Big East announced its preseason predictions as as told by the coaches. Now in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. the media votes. Yeah, we don't hear from the coaches, but in the Big East, it's the coaches that mm-hmm. kind of set some expectations, which makes the Creighton pick even in- it, be more it does, interesting. Right? Yeah. So Creighton's a, Creighton is seventh in the Big East preseason poll. Seton Hall's one. It's the first time in six years that Villanova is not one. Mm-hmm. Seton Hall just narrowly edged Villanova by a point in the poll. So Seton Hall had like seventy-seven votes and or seventy-seven points, and Villanova was at seventy-six. Oh, really? So it was really close. Wow. Seton Hall got the favorite. They got the. Biggest player, preseason player of the year, Miles Powell. Yeah, back a lot of experience. People think that they're going to take a big jump and win the league. I guess they were what like a eight seed last year, eight ten or nine, seed, I ten think. seed. Yeah, ten seed, uh, like sixty. And Nebraska beat them last year, sixtieth in Ken Palm. Um, wow, it's it's a reach. I yeah. think a mm-hmm. little bit. I like I'm a big Miles Paul guy. Or Miles Paul. I'm a big Miles Powell yeah. guy. I uh, last year I was voting for the. Uh, AP All-American teams. I had him a second-team All-American. Mm-hmm. I thought he was the best player in the league. Made some big-time shots. He will carry that team, no doubt. But to, I mean, to take that type of jump, yeah, I'm not sure. It's like a Kemba Walker UConn pick. It's basically like we're just going to betting on the star. Yeah, you're betting not, on the biggie right. star that's going to like maybe, just carry you. Maybe that is what where the hesitancy lies with Creighton because yeah. while Tyshawn Alexander is a first-team All Big East player, he doesn't necessarily. Uh, possess that same kind of star power that Miles Powell or Marcus Howard would uh, at Marquette because he, well, first off, he's a junior. Mm-hmm. And, you know, last year there were some ups and downs for him uh, as a sophomore f- for the first time carrying the load, um, stepping into that go-to role as as the man for the Jays. And uh, there were some good there were some good moments and then some not-so-good moments mm-hmm. for him as he adjusted to that role. Uh, but to me, I was a little bit, I mean, I, I would say I, I was a little surprised, but then again, it does seem like year after year, the coaches underestimate Creighton a little bit. Sure. Um, the Jays, since they've joined the Big East, have either matched or exceeded where the coaches have picked them in the preseason poll. Uh, last year, they were picked ninth, mm-hmm. and they finished in a tie for third. The year before that, they were picked fifth, and they finished in a tie for third. I think the year before that, they finished third, and they were tied for third. You know, it's just like yeah, yeah. Uh, Doug McDermott senior year, they were picked third, they finished second. They always, yeah. the Jays just tend to it's not they're not overachieving and i think in, in large part some some years fans would argue they have underachieved sure but they've certainly overachieved if, if as in respect to what the coaches have predicted which is weird I'm so not where do you i was gonna sure. say where would you put where would you put creighton 
And why do you think they weren't where you would maybe think they yeah. were? Yeah. So I had them at four or five. I'm okay. not quite sure how yeah. it's sort. It's the the league this year. I got Seton Hall and Villanova at the top. Mm-hmm. I would say Nova ahead of Seton Hall, but they're one two. A little bit of a gap, and then you got five teams in my mind: Creighton, Xavier, Providence, Georgetown, Marquette. For the most part, those teams return a lot. Marquette maybe is a little bit of the outlier, but they have Marcus Howard. Um, but for the most part, those teams return a lot, and you know maybe didn't meet the goal that they the end goal that they wanted to a year ago which was make the NCAA tournament but they have potential mm-hmm. and uh like let's see Xavier Providence Georgetown Creighton those were all NIT teams on the wrong side of the bubble they all have the um it seems like the tools the talent um the potential to be on the right side of the bubble this year will they all make it I don't know yeah Marquette was on the right side of the bubble last year but faded hard down the stretch and then lost two of its top scores um to transfer but why 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 did coaches, or why did, why is the perception that Creighton is at the bottom tier of that group? I don't know. Part my theory today, as I was kind of conversing with some fans back and forth on Twitter, is I wonder if it's easier to respond, or maybe put faith in um, players who have sort of the athletic profile of your traditional Big East players, which are like Georgetown, Providence. Um, Xavier, those guys, their 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 roster are full of guys who are athletes. Yeah. They kind of they built their teams more around, around like physicality, and you know when you look at their measurables, like they're going to kill it at the combine. Yeah, guys. yeah, oh yeah. Whereas yeah. Creighton has uh, kind of its philosophy is geared more towards skill, and let's find these players that <clears throat> maybe they don't jump out of the gym, but they're going to make the right pass. Mm-hmm. They're going to hit an open jump shot. Um, they're going to play unselfishly, like. They've kind of they look Creighton has looked for different things, um, in in terms of how it's recruited going about recruiting players than Georgetown sure. or Providence. And yeah, so I, I'm thinking that coaches are just responding to it's almost like star ratings almost. Even though yeah. even though Tyshawn Mitch, Tyshawn Alexander, Mitch Balik, Marcus Zagorowski, they were rated pretty high as recruits. But I wonder if you know you just it's just easier to say like okay Providence has a guy um, a, a point guard. His name's David Duke, and he is a freak athletically. I think it's easier to just say, like, well, we think he's going to meet his potential. Yeah. He's gonna, he, he's, he, we can see what the ceiling is. He, there's a better chance of him reaching that as compared to we don't know what the ceiling is for a guy like Mitch Ballard. There's, there's not a, a profile for him. I think part of it is, is, like, when the teams walk off the bus. All right, I'm picking that one. Yeah. Just not even really, you know, not even necessarily seeing how they warm up. Even just like, okay, well, that team looks like they've got some freaks, so I'm going to go with them. I yeah, and, and, and in a Big East where it's like so and that's what close. The Big East has been, right? Yeah. You know, it's yeah, yeah. always been like kind of that rough and tumble league mm-hmm. that where physicality matters and, and um you know the finesse teams don't necessarily fare as well. And Creighton has an element of has had an element of physicality, but it's more on the finesse side, like the pendulum is pointing that way. Whereas Providence or Georgetown or Xavier is the pendulum's definitely on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that coaches that's just what they're known. They've been born into that. And Creighton's had some success in this league, and, and some, some would argue maybe not enough. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I tracked this down. I just kind of looked at it. Because Creighton's finished third in the conference. Well, in a tie for third. It's like this had some weird, like, three-way, four-way ties yeah, yeah. in the last three years. But the last three years, Creighton's finished tied for third each of the last three years. And so I was just kind of curious, like, who does it compare to? And, and 
in in the in the scope of the league. I think it's Nova, Marquette, and Xavier are the three teams that have more wins than Creighton in the league. Hmm. And then it's Creighton and Seton Hall tied with like twenty nine wins over the last three years um, in regular season action. So they've been a top half team, right? Yet for the last two years, coaches are predicting them to finish in the bottom half, which right. makes you think like. I don't know. Maybe there, maybe there is a lack of. Uh, maybe it's a. I, I deem it as a lack of understanding of what Creighton is and what it yeah. can be. But maybe it's just a lack of respect. I, don't I was gonna know. say, is it? Is it, it could like be a lack of respect? Is it a lack of respect for like McDermott? <laughs> it could be. Like, do coaches not think very highly? I know because every time they, I talk to them about it and and the style, the system, like they always say good things. Yeah. But maybe that's coach. Maybe again. well, yeah. Maybe it's just one of those things where they see. They see the system and they're like, in the Big East, you need to you need to be able to brawl a little bit. And I think they maybe look at Creighton and say they're yeah, not really they brawlers. Yeah. yeah, can they actually do that? Right. Like, can you get in a in a rock fight with, you know, Providence or whoever, mm-hmm. Butler or whatever? Right. Um, and I think they see Creighton and say, eh, probably not. But I also would I would I would counter that with like, I don't know, man. There there are a few people in the Big East or even in college basketball that I wouldn't want to you know, go to a fight with, with other than Tyson Alexander. Like I would, I would, I'd love to have him on my team. Yeah. Like whoever team I'm playing for, like I would love to kind of go to battle with him. So that's, that's kind of the counter argument is like, okay, well that's some perception of Creighton and not necessarily who they actually have on the roster. Right. You know what I mean? Well, I will say that the internally, I think that the players and the, the coaches are trying to sort of develop a little bit more toughness. I think that is something that they've recognized mm-hmm. as, as has been a weakness because you talk about those games that are kind of grinders. You're going to have those, especially in March. Like, you got to win in different ways. Not mm-hmm. every game is going to be up-tempo to your liking. Mm-hmm. Creighton wants to run and push pace. Sometimes you're going to have to slow things down and, and win a grinder. And so there's an element of toughness that they do have mm-hmm. to develop, and they're working on that. Um, but it's interesting because when we talk about, like, the profile of the league or of a league, and a style like I've always been of the mind that if you no matter what your style is if you do it well and your deficiencies you're able to mask them because you're so good at what you do it mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't matter you can you can you can go for 80 possessions of in a game and be and, and win a title or you can go 60 possessions like North Carolina in 2017 2017 right that's when they won it like they were an up-tempo team mm-hmm. um, Virginia last year I took the air out of the ball. Yeah. I mean, they were really, Virginia was really efficient. That's so was Texas Tech. And that's what I'm saying. They, they were good at what they did. Yeah. And so some of the weaknesses that you may um, point out, they, it, you couldn't exploit them because they were so good at what they do. So it, it was one of the things that I was thinking about with Nebraska because they're going to push pace right. in a league that's not necessarily known for pushing pace, even right. though some teams have actually tried to right. like, change that profile and you wrote about it. But um, I think that's one of the, it's one of the questions that faces Nebraska, and it's one of the questions that's kind of still face, facing Creighton. It's like, can you run in the Big East and win it? Yeah. Can you run in the Big Ten and win it? Yeah. Well, and it's... We're I think at, you can have a decent amount of success. Creighton's proven that, but yeah. when you get to that point where you're actually... So good that it's not... Yeah, and and it's and it's interesting because I, I think we're at an interesting point in college basketball right now because I think there's some perception of like, everybody wants to go fast. Everyone wants to shoot a million threes. That's how you're going to win. And I thought about this a lot last year. I think we even talked about this a lot last year where the counter argument to that was Virginia, Texas Tech, um, who the, uh, um, Auburn and, and Michigan State. But Auburn went fast. Yeah, Auburn but the move. And Michigan State went pretty fast. Yeah. Texas Tech and Virginia, boy, bless those beat writers for all the 50 to 55 games that they had. To, yeah, oh, so boring. But 
it's interesting because I think, so I asked that to some Big Ten coaches last year, and they looked at me like they wanted to smack me, or excuse me, last week, because I, I, I asked some coaches like, hey, you know. At Big Ten Media Day. At Big Ten Media yeah. Day, I was like, hey, um, you know, Fred Herbig has a quick system. He goes, he wants to go fast. When he was at Iowa State, they were in the top 30 in terms of um, um, adjusted offensive tempo and, like, uh, shots per possession. I mean, or um, length of possession. Right. They went super fast. So the question was, um, can that work in a historically slow Big Ten? And they all kind of paused and looked at me like, I can't believe I'm going to have to answer this stupid question again. And they basically said, we don't go slow anymore. Teams aren't teams in the Big Ten don't go slow other than maybe two a year. One of those being Rutgers. One of those used to be Penn State. Now it's kind of Northwestern. Well, Wisconsin's slow, right? Wisconsin is super slow, too. And so it was interesting because I asked Tom Izzo that in particular, and he was like, you know. Michigan can be slow. He was like, Michigan State was like, you, you know, people get on us because we, you know, our numbers say we go slow, but it's because you go to Rutgers and they walk the ball up, or you go to, you know, Madison and they right. walk the ball up, and you're like, ugh. Um, but so I was like, okay, all these coaches were saying we go fast, like it's quicker now. So I went into the numbers. I had a wonderful, wonderful moment of realizing and I get to hang out with Ken Palm, uh, you know, two or three times a week and just go through numbers, which is great. Um, and what it showed me is, you know, the big 12 in the early 2010s, I think you could, you could generally say they were a fast conference. So, you know, Bill Self would like to go fast. You know, Bob Huggins liked to go fast, even, you know, in the early, early 2010s and the late to, you know, 2000s, uh, like Missouri with Mike Anderson liked to go really fast, Fred Hoiberg. So there was just a lot of coaches who loved to really push the pace. And so I looked at Fred Hoiberg's final year in the Big 12, which was 2014-15. And if you averaged out the whole league, they were about 65th in terms of pace of play. They would be the 65th fastest team in college basketball if you average it out to one team and the big 10 last year was 64th so essentially it's the same type of deal Mm. like teams are speeding up teams do like to go fast more often in this big 10 and so that makes me wonder if you know this is a if you can kind of think of it as an incubator of like okay fred really perfected his system in a fast conference can he copy paste that into a similar f- speed of a Big Ten. You know what I mean? Does that make yeah. any sense? So uh, so I, when I asked Fran McCaffrey about it, because he came in in you know, two, the early he 2010s, did he, he like, did it. He was, like, he was like, we're just going to go fast. There, there was a stretch there. It was like five years ago where Fran and Tom Crean in Indiana were the mm-hmm. only two schools that were really pushing. I and I, like, and I asked Michigan like, State yeah. would attack in transition, but not like, they not, weren't always yeah. pushing tempo. They weren't like, we're getting the board, we're going yeah, immediately right. no matter but what. Iowa and Indiana, they would like take the first shot available. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right, this. right, and it didn't go super well at the beginning, and then it started to actually kind of help. And so, as the conference sped up, their systems worked. Yeah. So it's going to be hard like this year with with Nebraska because I think even if they go fast, that doesn't mean they're going to be efficient. That doesn't necessarily mean well, that they because like, they don't really have the pieces. Yeah, if you but if but you, still, it's it's always it, this is like it's it's like. The, I always feel like I have to make this point when people are critical of the style that you choose to play, because there's always, you're always going to have weaknesses. Like there's no unless you're going to fill your teams with uh, first or lottery picks. Like, yeah. Okay, then it's harder to find weaknesses. But let's be realistic about the programs that we covered. That's not happening. Right. So, um, 
you know, if you play up and up down, up and down tempo, like you're gonna have more, you're gonna favor speed, mm-hmm. and you're gonna want to have guys that can shoot. Um, you know, you ideally you'll take care of the ball, but that means that you may not rebound well. You may not have a ton of size inside. Like if you do get stuck in a game that's kind of close and and sl- the the pace is slowed down, maybe you feel a little bit uncomfortable there. Mm-hmm. You know, like. But you kind of have to decide. You have to decide who you're going to be. Like you, you, I think, and then just like nail exactly. Yeah. And I, and I think with both Nebraska and Creighton now, and and you know, Greg and Fred come from somewhat similar systems. But I think in general, and I really don't mean this as a slight to either program. I think the the way to success for Nebraska and, and Creighton is to play like you're a mid major team, and to play like you're a Davidson playing Kansas or North Carolina in the Big Ten or in the NCAA tournament where you're going to be smaller most of the time than your prospective Big East or Big Ten foes most of the time. You are going to have all these disadvantages recruiting-wise, you know, you just a lot of things in the conference that are going against you. But if you can recruit shooters and speed, boy, that's hard to stop. I mean, there. I mean, that's why we see so many upsets. I think when you have a team like Vermont or um, Richmond or just all these smaller schools that, when they get to the NCAA tournament, they can take down these giant teams. That when you are filling out your bracket, you're like, "Wow, they're thirty and five. Oh, wow, they shoot all these three. Like that's, in my opinion, the way that Fred Hoiberg, Greg McDermott, you know, that they find success in these conferences where I think they have so many other disadvantages do you think i'm like do you do you agree with that at all no i agree yeah yeah i think that's i think that's a fair assessment i like the thing about it is it's not that it's not that i mean it's kind of becoming almost commonplace now though like, yeah team, yeah more and more teams want to play fast yeah. and more and more teams want to shoot threes mm-hmm. and, um, so you have to be even better yeah, well, you true. have to be like elite yeah. at what so you like do when creighton the last uh last year no creighton did not push tempo but two years ago it was second in the country in terms of average length of possession. Was it really? In, uh, among high major teams. Oh, okay. I took out like the yeah. mid-majors who don't play anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, So when I just looked at high major teams, average length of possession, Creighton was second two years ago. Three years ago, it was second. UCLA ran faster than they did, um, and Oklahoma ran faster than Creighton did two, two years ago. That was it, and so that that's that's at the elite. That's where if you mm-hmm. want to run this offense, like Creighton and Nebraska, like they got to be at that top, like top five in terms of high major teams mm-hmm. that push pace. Otherwise, you're not maximizing what you're good at. Right. Like if that's what you want to be good at. You better be the best at it. Well, or and, one of the best. And, and so. yeah, and and I think what we're seeing too is, and I don't. Yeah, last year's Nebraska team is a really good example where all of a sudden Tim Miles decided we're going to be a three point shooting team. We're going to shoot a lot of threes. This is what we're going to do. And you looked at the roster and you were like, yeah, but that is that such a great idea? Like, you do you really have – it's, it's kind of like just walking in the gym being like, hey, guys, like, we're going to just we, – I, we, I know we're all 6'7", but we're just going to pound it inside and we're just going to – we're going to put two guys on the blocks and just feed them. And it's like, well, but that's not – this isn't quite – so I think what we're seeing in a lot of ways is a lot of teams, a lot of coaches are deciding – we need to go fast. We're just going to go fast. We're going to figure it out along the way. And I think the thing that Fred Hoiberg and Greg McDermott have separated themselves is they actually kind of know what they're doing in terms of that specific offense, you know? And so I think with Creighton and Nebraska, Nebraska in the future, but Creighton this year, like 
can you go fast? Can you be efficient? Can you neutralize size of other opponents? Can you, if potentially you're in a rock fight with Providence, you know, how did you, yeah, how how, can, you, can you hit, can you hit four quick threes yeah. in two minutes and just, and just like right. give yourself a break? You know what I mean? Yeah, they did it in one game last year against Providence where they shot some unreal, like, eight, I remember eight that, of yeah. nine in the second half from three. Um, okay, I wanted to ask you this since um, we're kind of talking about Big Ten, Big Ten Media Day. From afar, just kind of watching the last few months unfold for Nebraska basketball, mm-hmm. um, it's, I mean, there's been a lot of excitement. And for a good reason, because they, Nebraska just hired the most, um, how do I say, most renowned, like the top guy on the list of yeah. available candidates mm-hmm. in terms of uh, coaches available last offseason. Number one, Fred Hoiberg. Like, yeah. if, if you had to make a short list, you'd probably have, most schools would have him number one. So they hired this guy and, uh, you know, went to Italy, killed it. I, I mean, like, the scores were – there was one game that was like, eh, but yeah. otherwise yeah. Did, did fine or did great and brought in a bunch of new players. There's hype around that because it's new. And then had the uh, Friday practice, got Rick Ross in the building. Um, you know, I, I saw the intros, people coming out with their walk-it, walk-it yeah. music, and everybody looks good. Like, their they're, the muscles are flexing and showing. <laughs> um, and then they're picked 13th yeah. in the Big Ten. Yeah. So it's like, build up, build up, build up. Oh. Yeah. Reality. Yeah. Um, it, it, was that, first? I guess first off, was that a fair sort of prediction? I mean, it's a prediction. Yeah. Like, nobody knows what this team's going to be because right. it's all new. But is that fair? And do you think that there needs to be a little bit of an adjustment in terms of expectations for this year's team? Yeah. Because... I mean, I think a lot of the hype was more directed toward this is what it could become in three, four years. Mm-hmm. But some of that might have like bled into the expectations for, for me now. for this year. Yeah. And thinking like, well, Fred's gonna Fred's got this team going to the NCAA tournament right away. And right. it's like, ah Big Ten coach or the Big Ten at least the media folks don't think so. so. Yeah, I mean I, I had him um I had him twelfth. And so it wasn't super surprising to me that it was 13th. Actually, the most surprising, you know, the the Athletic and and um, the Columbus Dispatch did a unofficial media poll, and I got to see all the ballots because I was one of the voters. And the most surprising thing was actually one voter had Nebraska as high as sixth. Oh, it was like everyone had them like 12th to 14th, and then there was one sixth, and it was like. <gasps> you know, you know, James Palmer isn't on this team, right? <laughs> you know, like this isn't. Um, that's a Fred Hoiberg factor, maybe. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I th- th- I think it fits, and I think there's an interesting balance right now because there's all this all this excitement. They really like a lot of the pieces they have. They love Cam Mack. Ivan Drago's a giant. Um, you know, Hanif Cheatham's your leader leader guy, leadership guy. You've got Deshaun Burke. You got Gervais Green. You've got some scores, some nice guards. Um, you've got all these pieces that on paper you're like, you know what, like this isn't this isn't a bad roster. Like this this is this is pretty good. Um, but we have every time that the media has been able to talk to Fred in a press conference or you know whenever he has been very bullish and very pragmatic and very honest of just like we're not there yet. I've been surprised by that. By he the way. he to the point where he like. I mean, he. They had a practice. The first time we talked to him this "quote unquote" season, when they opened up practice, um, they had practice, and then we talked to him on that Monday. Uh, he went bef- before Scott Frost or after Scott Frost, 
Um, and they had a bad practice that morning. Yeah, I remember him saying, like, we didn't practice well. It, so, was like the, it wasn't the first practice, but it was, like, the last of the workouts. Yeah, and he was like, yeah, I'm not going to lie, we didn't have... So so the thing is, is, like, he's really honest. We're like, I, I if you're a coach... I heard him say, like, good things, you know? Like, yeah. He, no, I take that back. He's talked positively about individual players, but when mm-hmm. you ask him about the progress of the team, mm-hmm. it's always like, nah. Right, and which is so refreshing because I currently cover a football team that loves to tell me how good that they are and how much they've improved, and then they have to come back against Illinois, and they, you know, just just things on the like yeah. like the football coaches love to tell you how great things are going. But how I, and with Frost or excuse me with with Fred, like he he has a vision, he knows what's going on, but he but he almost talks to you like he's a like a tortured scientist trying to invent something where he's like, yeah, you know, like I see it, but like, it's just, it's not quite there. Like I asked him at big Tim media day, almost it's this exact thing we were talking about. I was like, you know, there's been a lot of pop and circumstance around your hiring and, and all these players. Um, you know, Fred is a guy who like doesn't love attention, which I think maybe surprises some people, but like doesn't love big 10 media day. doesn't love being in the spotlight. So I was like, you know, are you just ready for the season to start? And he was like, no, because we're not ready. He's like, we need three weeks of like hard work yeah. because we're just not there yet. It's and a, so he, yeah. so so from talking to him, you see, you talk to him, and then you see thirteenth, and you're like, well, yeah. But I think it's this weird balance you have to to kind of play with because you know last year was so exciting. There was so much put on it. It was like now or never, 10 miles. Like they've got all this talent, the best talent they've had in like a decade. It was all this excitement. And then there's failure. And now this year, it's the opposite where it's like there's some excitement, some hesitation. How do you stay engaged? How do you figure out how to like be excited even though they might only go 500? How do you convince yourself that they can maybe do better than that? Like, it's just a, there's not as much writing on this season. So I think that's the hard part of trying to figure out, okay, do you, do you be excited because you've got Fred Hoiberg and you've got these really, this really young team, they're going to figure it out? Or are you worried because you see that 13th and you know Nebraska's been there so many times before? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's I, as a, just trying to digest it all, it's, a, it's tough. Yeah. Because you're trying to, like, it's kind of what we're saying, you're trying to balance the, potential of the program yeah and the hype i mean on one hand you hear fred hoiberg say you know cam mack i mean i've never coached a guy like this right before. right and then on the other hand it's like but our team is garbage right? yeah yeah, so yeah. It's like, but- and i think some of it is yeah i think some of it is just kind of because there are some coaches who like they'll they never like their team really before the season and, and maybe that's it maybe we'll yeah, find out that like they're actually pretty good year after year after year that's the kind of fred style is yeah. like Downplay, downplay, downplay. That's what that's what J. Wright does at Villanova. Like he's yeah. at Media Day today, talking about like, well, I don't know how good we're gonna be. Yeah, like, all this stuff. And like, dude's got the most talent in the league, <laughs> right? And, and yeah, he's got an experience. But like he said it last year, it's like I don't know. Like Lee Barfin, yeah, a couple guys that might be good. And uh, what uh, we lost four NBA guys, and they win the league. Yeah, yeah. So. Lee, Lee Barfin, he's always tell the story about he knew that Nebraska football was gonna be pre- pretty good because in. Uh, in the preseason, Tom Osborne always be like, you know, I, th- I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be pretty good. And Lee was like, all right, well, they're going to win the national title. <laughs> like, that was how you knew right. because Tom was always so, you know, downplaying. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's going to be really fascinating, and I don't know. I think in general, like, the thing I've been saying since day one, expectations are, like, just go 500. Like, 500 is what they did first year at Iowa State. 
when Fred was there, um, they have a really, really easy, like, like hilariously easy non-conference. Um, and (laughs) it's, it's hysterical. It's classic first year. uh, Yeah, it's totally. Yeah. Which, but the thing is, is like one of those, one of those things where it's like, that's what you need. Like you kind of need a 30 point win over Texas A&M Corpus Christi on December 29th. Like you kind of need those things. Their their NET number might be pretty good by the end of (laughs) non-conference because you get all these Dude, that's going to be the one thing is I'm not going to need to go look at quad one, two. Like NC State, weren't they like top forty in the yeah. NET and they played like nobody, nobody in non-con. Yeah, yeah. but I'm not going to need to check the NET rating for Nebraska okay. every week. <laughs> I, I mean, it's going to be Nebraska fans. You can unfollow uh, Joe Lenardi on Twitter because like this isn't going to be yeah, one of those years. Yeah, it is a schedule. I think I said, I've said this before. It's like Nebraska did they, they put together a schedule that's not like you know you're not aiming for the NCAA tournament with that kind of schedule. Yeah, no. you know that's that's a strictly sort of Let's work on us. Yeah. Let's um, try to build some momentum into conference play. Mm-hmm. Set the foundation for what we try want and to steal be. one on con- on the yeah. conference. Like this year, he he even said straight up, he was like, you know, this year's about um, getting in the system, getting Cam Mack a year in college basketball. Yeah. Getting Ivan acquainted to you know American basketball, and then he he said he sees some similarities with right now in his first year at Iowa State. His first year at Iowa State, they had four transfers who sat and one of those was um was royce white and he every day in practice he would think to himself like we're gonna be really good next year like those four guys were really they were bonding they were creating kind of a culture they kind of understood what was going on and i think uh fred hoiberg sees Derek walker and delano banton pretty similarly and he i think he sees those two guys and says you know in a year from now um we're gonna really be something special if this first year we can i mean if you if you can Develop Cam Mack a year, get Ivan Drago a year in American basketball. Then you're talking about a roster that's you know a little bit older. You know Cam Mack would be a junior, Javay Green would be a senior. You got Delano Banton, you've got Derek Walker, you've got Ivan Drago. Like you, you you bring in a couple of freshmen. Like you you can start to see like all right maybe next year they can win you know 18 19 games. And so that but but in order to win 18 19, go to NCAA tournament next year and like compete next year. This year you have to you know set the foundation can't lose the team can't have fights in practice like can't freak out when you're you know down 30 and quit like just just kind of building a baseline of like here's how we're going to run a program and maybe pick up an upset or two and maybe yeah and maybe for whatever reason for whatever reason nebraska always beat michigan state like in east lansing they just always seem to do yeah. that no that was might have been tim miles though. i don't know yeah yeah maybe he had a thing for 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 michigan state and in, in wisconsin so yeah it's a, yeah that so like while nebraska's building and setting a foundation creighton is we're going to like Creighton wants to jump out in November with uh, like with a splash. Like yeah. second week of the season, they play at Michigan. Yeah. Like if you get that game, suddenly you you may change the perception of what you are. Um, certainly outside, but maybe even inside too. Like I think this is a big year for Creighton. I think this is a really important year. For, I kind of don't you? We'll talk about this you, as the season goes on. Yeah. As we build up to the yeah. season because I kind of group this year and next year together. Okay. It's sort of like. Greg has, you know, kind of gone through a full recruiting cycle in the Big East, and he's built this team that, you know, sure some guys have left early and, um, you know, gone pro or whatever. But so there's been some. Uh, maybe he hasn't got to build it as perfectly as he wanted to, but essentially he has bought. He's gone all in on the style, and he's assembled a team that fits what he wants. Mm-hmm. And so now what? Yeah. Like what are you gonna do? Like now that you've 
and you got some guys who have had have experience. You know, last year um, there were a lot of ups and downs and some moments where you know it was almost they were almost there but couldn't get over the hump. Um, they learned some lessons, they got some experience, and now they can kind of like let their strengths take over. Yeah, that's the assumption. And so I, I kind of group these next two because it, it's the the core group of uh, that class that came in was Mitch Bally, Tyshawn Alexander, Jacob Epperson, who um, lost a year, so he's technically a sophomore now. But uh, those three <clears throat> combined with Damian Jefferson, who transferred in, and Denzel Mahoney, who transferred in, like those those five are kind of the core. With Marcus Zagorowski as a sophomore point guard, you know, like this, the main group of guys are going to be together this year and next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's like, to me, I look at it as both seasons together. What are you going to accomplish? So do you see it as like a, this year needs to be. So like this year needs to be what? This year needs to be like 3 4 seed. Mm, this no, year needs I, to I be like, think, what, like what, do, what do you kind of put on it? I, I look at. Uh, I mean, I think the ceiling for this team is like a five or a six seed in mm-hmm. the NCAA tournament. Just to be realistic. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but they got to make it. They obviously got to make the NCAA tournament. Right, right, right. right. That's, that's baseline. And then, um, but but I, it's it's more so like framing the identity. I think like it's it's kind of, it actually, you know, I think about it, it's kind of similar to Nebraska, but, but maybe at a more advanced stage. Yeah. Like this is what this core group is going to be about. Um, what kind of. Uh, what kind of how, how, you know, what their mentality is going to be uh, on offense? Like, are they in attack mode twenty four seven when they step on the court until the the final buzzer? How are they going to approach defense? Like, can they play with the energy and the aggressiveness, diving for loose balls, uh, being quick uh, to help one another, and and being smart, fundamentally sound defensively as they were last year or in stretches at the end of the year? You know, is that going to be who they are? And so I I feel like that's part of it too, um, but. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to say that this year is, whereas Nebraska is all about kind of establishing itself. It's not just. There's more to that for Creighton. Yeah, like Creighton. It's almost has, like there's stuff. Like, you're established things to accomplish. Yeah, this year. it's like but, it's like they're established. But it's almost like they want to earn like credibility. Is that and fair? I think they have to earn it to prove it to themselves because they right. they, they last year uh, they beat Marquette at the end of the year. That was a big win. Uh, for their confidence, but there were so many games when they, I mean, I think they were one and seven against NCAA, the NCAA tournament mm. teams in conference. Mm. So if the four teams that made the NCAA tournament last year from the Big East, they went one and seven against those teams. And so it's like, I think there's still, there's still an element where they have to prove to themselves that they are able to f- get the job done and finish yeah. against some of the better teams. Yeah. So that's where I see it. Yeah. Uh, let's end real quick with a little sort of recruiting. Oh, debate. yeah. What, um, we mentioned briefly the uh, Friday night event. What are they called? Opening night. Opening night. That's what we call it. Um, and then that you didn't go. You didn't. Kinda, you didn't did want to come go. listen to Rick Ross. I, I did not go. Boy, it was an event, man. I mean, they, his mic was bad, uh, and then all the team went up there, and everyone left. Oh, really? I heard there was like a long break. There was a forty-five minute wait. Yeah. At, at least you didn't have acrobatic dancers uh, on poles. <laughs> that's probably good. Hey, oh. hey, what do you mean acrobat? I don't. I need a that's definition what it was there. It's, that's what I, the AD said. Acrobatic dancers. Boy, that's funny. Um, they brought in recruits for that event, and then it kind of dovetailed into the Ohio State game. Yeah, like that whole game day. Yeah, I mean they kind of used that. The basketball team used that. I guess. What is is Nebraska still in the market for a 2020 guy? Will it be in the market for a transfer when the next window opens up? Yeah, 
is it all about 2021? What do you see it? I think I think they're putting. I mean, 2020 they've got two guys and they like them. Um, even though they've not seen Donovan Williams play yet because he's been hurt, um, but they really like Dre Davis um, from Indianapolis. I like Dre Davis. Too. He's he's kind of a steal. I think you did last time. Yeah, he's yeah. a steal. So, like he played. Creighton got a guy from Indianapolis, Jalen Window. Yeah, and they kind of went toe to toe a little bit. Yeah. in the state tournament, and so I watched a lot of him. Yeah. as I was watching Jalen Wyndham play, and I was like. Nice. Yeah, he, yeah, he's nice. I don't know if he's a shooter, Trey Davis. No, but, but they can he, figure him out. Okay. Like they'll, Fred will teach he's, him. He's uh, so it's interesting because they're, I mean, they're technically full, but they're kind of dipping their toe in 2020 and kind of testing the waters and kind of seeing if there's anybody else out there that they want to bring in. Um, I think that there's a potential that Nebraska could have an open spot someone transfers or if they're, I mean, you just never really know. Yeah. So you kind of always have to maybe over recruit uh, certain classes. 2021 they're kind of going all out i mean they they want 2021 to be a defining class and um you know there there was some legitimate rumors um that they were trying to get um jonathan kumanga who's the number one recruit in the 2021 class in lincoln on opening night and there was for a while it looked really promising which he would have been um he would have been the highest rated recruit to visit since um, Jalil Okafor actually visited Nebraska um, in 2012. Uh, and so that would have been really important and really big, but that ended up falling through. Um, they did get Kendall Brown, who was a five star, but he was, he was an unofficial visit. And that's kind of, you know, they're, they're trying to build a relationship with Sun, Sunset Christian down in, in, down in Wichita. Yeah, um, yeah, cause he's at the Academy in Wichita. Mm-hmm. Yep, and so he, I think he's probably a Kansas guy. I just that's he no, he is. looks like a yeah. I mean, he he he. Well, I would Creighton be floored if he Creighton has him on his list too. But. Yeah, I would be floored if he if he ended up at Nebraska or Creighton. It, I mean, I yeah. hardly ever does Kansas miss on kids that are like in state. I mean, they, they even they you're right. They even ended up taking Connor Frankamp, uh, who was kind of a I don't even know if he was a five star, but he was he was like a local legend when I was in high school. Um, and uh, he was getting recruited. He would have played at a lot of different places. I mean, played, you know, four years, would have, you know, been a real a dude at a lot of different places and ended up just going to Kansas and but just then, being another guy. Yeah. Well, who, who, he ended up getting in trouble and going, going to Wichita stuff. State. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I think, again, 2021 is kind of the, the big one. Obviously, Hunter Salas is kind of really high on their list. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think transfers are kind of their thing, and so – it's one of those things where you don't really know who's going to be in the transfer portal for 2021 yet. Until it happens. Yeah. Exactly, until it actually happens. And so that's where they kind of have their bread and butter. Well, so we'll see. It, and it's different. Uh, Fred Horberg kind of goes a little bit more, uh, he's more aggressive in yeah. the transfer market. Creighton always reserves like one or two scholarships for it. So right now Creighton has two open scholarships for 2020. My assumption is that one of the, like one of those will for sure be used on a transfer. Mm-hmm. And another, maybe another one will too. Like yeah. maybe, uh, maybe it's a grad transfer. Um, or maybe they have a high school guy. Like they had a kid on campus, Kerwin Walton, who's a 2020 kid from Minnesota, who they've recruited for a long time. Yeah, but he blew up. Like he had a game where he hit like 10 or 11 threes. Oh, really? In the AU game yeah, with Adidas championships. And so um, he, I mean, everyone's after him now. Like sure, Arizona. Yeah, taking an official visit to UNC. Oh, really? He visited. Uh, 
uh, Iowa State, like all the local schools were in on him, but right. now it's like, I don't know, everybody's after him. Well, and it's one of those things, too, where it's interesting. Nebraska's recruiting a lot. So so Matt Adlamassi, who's you know the, the main recruiter, has a ton of connections literally all over the world. So it's not it's not totally surprising that he's gotten someone like Ivan Drago to come, who was from, from France, or that they're offering a lot of recruits who might be in the States now, but are you know they're from africa or they're from europe or they're from you know they're originally from somewhere not in the united states yeah. and so they're offering a lot of kids 2021 2022 to kind of have that that background um the thing that's interesting is it's hard to it's kind of hard to follow nebraska recruiting in some ways because they thrive and love on like because we talked to abdul Massey about this of you know when you're tra- when you're recruiting people in the transfer portal you have a week you have a week to build a relationship, sign them, get them on campus. And that's where they thrive mm-hmm. because they basically say, look at all these dudes we put in the NBA for, they were transfers. This is what we do. Blah, blah, blah. Boom. You get it. You get them on campus, the connections there or whatever. And not saying that they don't See, try and build a relationship and kind of do it over time. Is, at, uh, is, is weaker. Sure. I feel like the Jay's strength has been building relationships with kids like Mitch Ballack and Tyshawn Alexander were guys that they recruited for a long time. They committed, those guys committed pretty early in the process because yeah. they had such a strong bond. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Bishop, Marcus Zagorowski, uh, even the kid they just got, uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner. I mean, he, it was a shorter window to build that trust, but um, the Jays were on him as early as everybody else was. And mm-hmm. I feel like they did a really good job of building a relationship. Like, building a relationship, I think, is really uh, important for Creighton because it sells its culture sure. and it sells its development and it's like you're going to be here. That's the thing though, family. Nebraska can't recruit that yet. Yeah, Nebraska and they can't. They, they don't. They can't say, "Hey, you're going to come in as a freshman. This is you're going to be at a senior." It's like, "Hey, we're a depot for you to blow up and go to the NBA." Yeah. Like that's what we're going to. And that's do. why I think they, they they're going to have success recruiting transfers because yeah, I think so too. I mean. Hell, Tim Miles had success recruiting transfers, and he didn't have the reputation recruiting transfers that that these guys do. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, you got Taran Petaway and Andrew White and James Palmer and you know and uh, and Isaac Copeland, right. and those were four guys that like they were really really productive when they were here. Um, twenty twenty one is going to be interesting because, well, from the sounds of it, Nebraska is going to like. It's targeting that class. That they think they, they they want that because they're going to have a lot of room too. Right, and, and so it's great. Right, and they run similar systems. They, and uh, you know they they're recruiting a lot of the same kids. Yeah, and they're recruiting a lot of the same players. Hunter Salas is kind of like the poster boy of that. Mm-hmm. So like he's like sitting in the middle of it, and mm-hmm. but there's a lot of kids in the middle of it um, of the two programs that that we cover. And it's just, I think it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, and and I think we talked about this. We we need to we need to get Mike in here to to talk about all these local kids too. Yeah, because because so Creighton just missed on a on a couple of local kids, but right. Well, but I, I guess mean, second, theoretically Nebraska did too because they had some offers for some. Yeah, because Max kids. Morell, mm-hmm. twenty twenty kid from Miller North, had a Creighton offer and a Nebraska offer. I believe. Yeah. I mean, but that know. was always. I mean, the kid took an unofficial visit to like Columbia. And when you see that, you're like, oh, he's super smart, and he's yeah. going to go to where I mean, he, he made, went, he, which he was made a choice that, that obviously fits within. Oh yeah, completely. What he wants, yeah. But Creighton wanted him. Yeah, I, like, and Creighton has a good academic institution too. Sure, it lost to Stanford for for Max, and uh, Chucky Hepburn, 
2021 guy, point guard, who I think also made a good decision for him. Like, yes, he, they Wisconsin sold him on Jordan Taylor. You could be this guy. This is your the model of who we think you can become. And I'm like, that fits Chucky perfectly. Oh, dude, I That's- I told I told uh, Sauter once he got that Wisconsin offer. I was like, that kid was made to go to Wisconsin. <laughs> like, he just yeah. looks and like the plays a, like a Wisconsin right. point guard. Yeah. I was thinking Wisconsin, maybe K State. You could work that working well there. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he's going to Wisconsin, and Creighton wanted him too, and Creighton mm-hmm. recruited him and thought that he could be a good fit. I mean, his personality, I think, would be it's, – it's interesting just watching Creighton's guys practice. Uh, a guy like Sharif Mitchell, you know, he's a local kid who's always wanted to play at Creighton, and he comes into the gym, and, like, the attitude that he – and it's maybe just because of the way he's wired, and it partly, partly kind of is. But, like, there's just something about those the, the local players that um, – the, the passion, the desire that they play for – um or play with you know i you notice something different about it like i noticed something different about Kyrie. that maybe there's just this pride about it mm-hmm. like i'm playing in my hometown like i don't want to let people down like i want to i want to have success for myself obviously as an individual but i want this team to do well too um i want to be the i want to be sort of the engine that kind of stirs it and so i think chucky would have fit in well that in that, yeah. in that manner but and that's you know, what and and that's though. what in some ways Hunter is Hunter Salas is I think of all the recruits in Omaha is gonna is has the highest ceiling. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, yeah. That's why that's what the recruiting analysts right. Say. Yeah, and and so the interesting thing with Hunter is I think he fits well at Creighton. I think he fits well at Nebraska. He's an Omaha kid, but he also has ties to not just Omaha. So he'll he has that idea of like he's been around Creighton basketball a lot more. He's been around Nebraska. And so Creighton can recruit hometown, this and that, and Nebraska kind of can't. But, you know, Nebraska can recruit, you know, NBA. And I don't know. It's just his recruitment's really interesting to me because he's um, has a really high ceiling. And he has to – and he's getting recruited by, like, UConn. I was going to say. He could, and Iowa State. He could just fit, totally do both of you when know. you talked about fit with Hunter, it's like, I think he can fit pretty much anywhere. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. The, the potential is, is endless. Um, all right. This was the first of – first podcast of the season technically yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, boy i feel like we could have gone for another hour too no doubt yeah there's so much to get to but that's good because next time we meet mm-hmm. and sit down and chat what point are you going to talk about even though there aren't any games oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh the preseason can't there's count. plenty yeah i was thinking yeah there's plenty of time like there's plenty to talk about from now until for so is creighton doing a secret scrimmage yeah they got a uh, missouri when is that end of october october okay 26? 26. That's right. what. So Nebraska's doing uh, Wichita State. Okay. Um, which uh, I, I I wonder if like Greg Marshall's wife will be there and and like so there will be a crowd and like I don't they'll have to deal with. Rules allow for it. But maybe, <laughs> maybe not. That yeah. That she could be pretty intimidating. I think. Um, but we'll, so we'll so we can yeah yeah, yeah. we got we'll we talk about uh, making some predictions. I think some predictions team specific league specific maybe national too we got yeah. plenty more to get to and then we'll break down a little bit more about um just what we see with the roster what roles are going to be filled by who who's starting who's coming off the bench what's the rotation might look like i mean there's so much time between now and the start of the season we have plenty more to get to so mm-hmm. um if you haven't subscribed yet do it yeah um, tell, tell people about it tell your friends yeah um and pick up a copy of the paper and check out our work because Six. obviously we're going to be writing um a ton about basketball between now and then. I think it's six weeks until Nebraska Creighton, isn't it? Yeah, who you got today? Um, I got Creighton today. So do I. 
I just watched them do a, a, just a short scrimmage. They did three controlled scrimmages at the end of a practice. I think it was Tuesday. And the last one, the first two, they were mixing and matching. So it was like, you know, two stars on one side, two side. The last one, they put their whole yeah. like, top five together, and it looked really smooth. Yeah. Like, Davion Mintz had a dime look ahead pass to Christian Bishop. Davion Mintz hit um, Damian Jefferson for the one more pass in the corner. Uh, Mitch Ballack drained a three that Marcus Zagorowski set up. There was like, I think Mitch worked around a ball screen and set something up for a big. I mean, it was like, oh, that could be what it is. And like, yeah. it doesn't always look that smooth. Right. But when me, it does, because yeah. that was earlier, those two <laughs> scrimmages before that, it was like turnover, turnover, yeah. bad shot, bad shot. But like th- that continuity piece of it, like there is certainly something to be said about a group knowing how to play mm-hmm. and what, who, who does what well and who's going to be where. Yeah. And them knowing that, yeah. them knowing where they everybody's going to be, and them knowing what they do. I saw well. there was this one moment, and I'll, we'll we'll end this pod after this. But like, Davion Mintz was bringing the ball up, um, up the court, and he threw a pass. Like Mitch Ballack was standing in the paint, and Davion threw a bounce pass, a one a one bounce bounce pass to the corner. It was a transition play. Yeah. yeah. So like Mitch hadn't. Uh, he hadn't sprinted to the corner just yet. He was underneath underneath the basket. Yeah. yeah. Moving moving that way, but you didn't like. I didn't see it. A bounce pass is on its way. Mitch catches it, like does a turnaround three, and I'm just like the anticipation of knowing, like he made the pass before the guy was even there and yeah. that, and to the spot, but he knew he was going to be there. Yeah, um, that type of thing is something that you can't really. I mean, Nebraska yeah. will not have that for right. three years. <laughs> they, Nebraska, true. meanwhile, went seven for thirty three, thirty four, thirty five from three point. Uh, in, a, had in a very great soft days scrimmage. either, though. So I, I, it, it's something that like. But damn it, if we don't deserve like a lot of threes in that game yes. in Omaha, right? If that's like a fifty to fifty five game, I might not even write a story out of protest. I would just be so mad. Right. The podcast will be like three words. <laughs> All right, we'll be back very soon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>